Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Southern Appalachian Herbal Podcast. I'm Judson Carroll, and I'm an herbalist. I'm also a wild crafter, a gardener, and herb grower. I'm coming to you from high atop the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, just a stone's throw from the Tennessee line, overlooking the Tisca National Forest, absolutely surrounded by the bounty of God's green earth. I spent most of my life wandering these mountains and learning about plants from the old timers and all sorts of characters. On this show, we'll talk about herbs and how to use them, how to find them, how to grow them, how to make preparations. We'll talk about a lot of things. We can also talk about permaculture, homesteading, foraging, and living off the land. Most anything, really. You can email me at southernappalachianherbs at gmail.com if you have a question or a comment. You can also contact me through the Grow Network, where I'm a regular contributor and a moderator for the forums. And my blog is, of course, southernappalachianherbs at blogspot.com. All right, y'all. I'm going to sit my guitar down and let's talk about herbs. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this week's show and Merry Christmas. It is Christmas Eve as I am recording this. And uh, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to try to do a short show. I just want you to have something to listen to, you know, while you've got some time off this week. Maybe if you need a little break from the family. Maybe if you need a break from the... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so if you have any um, female relatives in your life, which I do, I have uh, my mother and uh, two uh, aunts, you're probably um, being exposed to a constant deluge of Hallmark Christmas movies. Custom made to uh, tear at your emotions. So if you need a little break from that, <laughs> I know I will watch, um, well, beginning tonight, probably seven or eight times in a row, A Christmas Story. Love A Christmas Story, but even even I need a break from Ralphie every now and then. That's, uh, man, I love that movie. And, and this new uh, version that came out last year, A Christmas Story Christmas, which is sort of the movie about the writing of the story is really good. That That's really one of the most quality programs I've seen in quite a while. So check that out if you get a chance. But, you know, I've only done one or two other Christmas shows. Um, I always try to keep them. These are a little different. You know, I like to tell a story. We, we'll get into a couple of herbs, but it's going to be brief. You know, this is not going to be one of those heavy, get out your notebooks and write down all the uh, uses of these herbs. It's just, I'm going to do two short ones. And, um... But first, I want to start with the recipe. Now, I told you, I guess it was last week or the week before, I was really debating this recipe. It's um, it's a little more involved, a little more um, 
I guess on the gourmet side, if you want to look at it that way, then most of the recipes I like to share on the show. But it's actually pretty simple. It, it just is a little complex. And uh, I guess about three years ago, I, I met a, well, maybe two, two to three, probably three, closer to three now. I met a really, um, uh, really neat girl. Um, she lives in California. She's an herbalist and um, has degrees in culinary arts and baking. She's actually a master baker. She runs one of the finest bakeries in the United States. And uh, before that, I guess she spent about 20 years of her life studying dance. She was a professional ballet dancer for quite a while. So she takes that rigorous, (laughs) exacting uh, personality to the world of food. And I asked her, uh, I said, do you think this is going to be an appropriate recipe? And she said, yeah, go for it. It's basically just a fancy meatloaf. So you know why I like this girl. <laughs> so if, um, if you find this one a little intimidating, blame Michaela. Don't blame me. And if you ever find yourself in the Lake Tahoe region um, and you want some of the finest baked goods, she is a master of laminated dough. She makes croissants like you would not believe. But also, you know, the hollow bread and, I mean, everything she might be doing this kind of year, this time of year. You get a chance, um, I don't remember the name of the bakery, uh, but if you get a chance to stop into, like, the best bakery in the uh, entire county, and um, there's someone there working named Michaela, I'm not going to give her last name, Tell her Judson says hi. That would probably really freak her out, actually. <laughs> and I could laugh about it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Michaela said it's good for me to give you this recipe, so I'm going to give you this recipe. And it is one of my all-time favorite things. Now, technically, this is called a terrine. Um, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of, you know, my family's half French. I mean, this is not a foreign, and my parents owned a gourmet grocery store, you know, when I was a kid. They imported wine and cheese and, you know, so this is not foreign to me. And it, But it, it may be to you, but just think of it like Michaela said, it's a fancy meatloaf. A few years ago, I actually, find of a lifetime, uh, found a couple of um, French professional chefs, charcuterie books and one of them is all on pate and terrines and i mean this book retails for like eight hundred dollars or more i mean it's so hard to find and it's like a prize you can like you know we're talking like really professional chefs uh collections and because i can read enough french to figure out a recipe i don't speak french but i can read it you know if you study latin you can pretty much do that with any of the Latin-derived or Romance languages, I was able to pick this thing up for like 20 bucks. So, I mean, it has really informed my pâtés and my terrines and such, but let me just kind of give you a basic recipe. We're going to start with um, at least some ground pork and some bacon. So, how can you go wrong? You're going to start with bacon and ground pork. I would prefer if uh, the ground pork was mixed with an extra, with an equal amount of ground red meat. Now that can be beef. So see, we can keep this really simple. Stuff you can get from the grocery store. Ground pork, ground beef, bacon, right? That's simple. Um, 
more, well, I mean, you know, I, I kind of live in the woods and um, I have access to deer meat and bear meat and even, you know, raccoon and beaver. So I'm going to do a mix of game meats uh, in mine, but I'm going to give you a recipe that you can go to the grocery store and buy everything you need, right? Essentially, we're going to make layers of meat and mushrooms and nuts and herbs, and then it's all going to be baked into a meatloaf. So she's right on that. Let's start with some ground pork and ground beef mixed together. Now, you could absolutely use ground uh, sausage if you wanted to. That's going to be a different, you don't want it to overwhelm, but that wouldn't be bad at all, you know. To that mixture, um, let's add, um, let's say we got about a pound, right, of the ground meat. Now, this is going to be the binder for the whole thing. So, to that pound of ground pork plus whatever red meat you like. Let's add uh, salt and pepper. Don't go real light on the salt because you don't want this to get over-salted. So salt and pepper. I'm going to want some um, ground spices in there without a doubt. This is sort of like a meat fruitcake if you want to think of it that way. And I don't let that freak you out. These are really traditional. I mean, these were, Apicius wrote about making these in ancient Rome. In medieval England, this would be like absolute, you know, fair on the king's table. Let's put into this ground mixture a little salt, goodly amount of black pepper. Um, I would like a little hot pepper too. You know, that's my taste. I'm going to do a little crushed red pepper, but definitely ground cinnamon, ground clove, ground nutmeg, just a pinch each, you know. Now, let's say a fourth teaspoon each. Let's go with that, a fourth teaspoon each. Uh, you could use allspice. Think of those like, you know, Christmas spices again, like I told you about the pate last week. Use them. If you have uh, mace, ground mace would be wonderful. That doesn't show up in you know, many people's cabinets anymore. Let's use some herbs, certainly parsley. Parsley is essential. Let's go with some chopped uh, garlic. Some, um, maybe some chives. Chives would be nice. Green onion, whatever you like. Ginger, absolutely. Um, let's spice this meat up. It's sort of like, you know, if you've ever had a mince pie, this is kind of the, the idea we're going for with this. Add to that uh, about a cup, really, of heavy cream and um, probably two shots of brandy or bourbon. Mix it all up, emulsify it. It should get like really pasty, right? So take your loaf pan and lay down your bacon in a layer, you know, cover the bottom with the ends folding over the side, obviously, and put down about an inch to even two inches, but let's say with about an inch thick layer of this ground meat preparation. Now, on top of that, let's do some nice fresh parsley. You know, it's got to alternate. Definitely a layer of uh, chopped mushrooms, whatever mushrooms you like. Put that there. Now, on top of that, let's do a layer of poultry. You can go with chicken breast. That's very classic. You can go with duck breast. In fact, in this recipe, it would be good if you had at least one chicken breast and one duck breast. If all you have is ground beef and pork and a chicken breast and a duck breast, you can make a wonderful terrain. Okay? Of course, I've got quail. I've got pigeon. I've got duck. I've got, you know, you name it. Um, turkey. You know, turkey would be really good in this. Yeah, absolutely. So let's put down just a layer of poultry. You don't have to chop it up unless you want to. It can be just the whole breast sitting there, right? Another layer of the pork and beef mixture. Another layer of herbs. This time instead of mushroom, let's do a layer of nuts. Now, uh, traditionally walnuts, 
uh, in England, absolutely, or almonds in uh, ancient Rome. Pine nuts, which are super expensive in America, would be the, the like the ultimate, right? Whatever layer of nuts you like. And let's go with another layer of pork, okay? Then let's put in the duck breast. Say if you do the chicken breast on the bottom, then comes the duck breast, or etc. right? This could even be a layer of liver pate, you know, like we made last week. Whatever you like. Just put some poultry down there. Let's go on that with another layer of nuts, and this time let's put in some dried fruit. Oh, by the way, pistachios, because they're bright green, look really nice in this. So if that, you know, that's a great option. When it comes to fruit, and you can put the fruit in with both layers of nuts if you want to. Uh, you really should, actually. A lot of people use fruitcake-style fruit. You know, all those weird neon-colored citrons. I do not like that, okay? I do not like that at all. But if you do, go for it. Um, I'm going to go at least with, with uh, dried cherries. Dried cherries, walnuts, pork, I mean, mushrooms. That works for me, right? Um I might do dried cranberries. That would probably be my second choice. And maybe a few raisins. You know, uh, golden raisins would be very pretty in there. Sultanas. Um, oh, what's that other raisiny type fruit? It's not coming to me right now. Currants. That's it. Currants. It could be dried gooseberries. It could be any kind of, you know. And it's kind of layer throughout a little citrus zest. So, say on each layer of pork. Do a little sprinkle of orange or lemon or tangerine zest. Layer it up, layer it up, layer it up. Last layer, finish with the rest of your ground meat mixture. Some good herbs on top, whatever nice fresh herbs, whatever you want to put on there. Wrap the bacon over, okay? Then wrap the whole thing in foil and put a brick on top. Put it in your oven, say 350 for about an hour. Let that cook all the way through. That is going to, you know, take it out, take the brick off, unwrap it, and you're going to have this fancy meatloaf. Now, of course, if you want to, you can pop it back in the oven, maybe put a little glaze over the top, let it brown up real pretty, go for it. And speaking of brownness, um, absolutely, with that ground uh, beef and pork mixture, you can throw in a little Worcestershire sauce, you can throw in a little soy sauce, you know, if, that's, if that appeals to you. But it's, it's really not traditional. A little Worcestershire would not hurt, though. Um... Anyway, that's it. Take it out, let it cool completely. You want this to really solidify. I mean, even put it in the fridge overnight. That would be preferable. Let those flavors come together and then slice it. And when you slice it, you'll have this beautiful little, what they call a window pane, like a stained glass window of all those layers of meat and nuts and fruit and herbs. And I would definitely put some pate in there. Yeah, that's me. Part French, I'm going to have some pate in there. You serve that, and that is like you're looking into th a 3,000-year-old window of history of what would have been served at the nicest tables of Europe, and it will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. It is that good. And, yeah, Michaela says it's just a fancy meatloaf. It's just a fancy meatloaf, but it's the ultimate meatloaf. Our ancestors would have prized this. I mean, it's got a variety of meats in it. It's got a variety of nuts and fruit in it. Expensive spices. I mean, you know, the most more precious than gold a few thousand years ago. A few herbs. The With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Colors are going to be nice. Everything. And the taste is magnificent. And I, I definitely, if you, if, if you can cook with brandy or bourbon, do. Because it's going to enhance everything. And that is like the ultimate holiday dish, in my opinion. Now, if you've ever had a turducken, <laughs> that may be the ultimate holiday dish for you. Paul Prudhomme invented the, tur- the turducken, what, back in the 80s? It was a um, it was a chicken stuffed inside a duck, stuffed inside a turkey, with a layer of stuffing and bacon, and in between it was like a giant terrine, essentially, right? But uh, that may be the ultimate dish for you. I've even seen the same thing, then stuffed inside an alligator, which, you know, I would go crazy over because I love gator meat. But, um, yeah, so to me, and yeah, it's just a little more fancy than a turducken, <laughs> but anyway, uh, absolutely. And, you know, season it however you want. I mean, if you want to throw some Creole seasoning in there, like I probably would, or you want to go with just straight European, you know, parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme, marjoram, etc. cetera, um, you know, do it, do it. it. You cannot go wrong with it. It's just that it's the ultimate. I'm just saying it's the ultimate. Now. Let's get into the story. Well, uh, I told you last week, I promised to tell you how my grandfather taught me the meaning of Christmas. Now, my grandfather is my hero, was my hero. Um, his, uh, the entire community revolved around my grandparents um, and my great-grandparents. I got to know my great-grandfather. I mean, he was 100 when I was three, you know. Um, they built the town. They built the, they owned the general store. They built the houses everyone they built the churches you know everyone in the community either owed their job or their home or both to my grandfather and he was a big powerful uh, muscular tall charismatic well he wasn't that tall he wasn't as tall as me but he was of a, a good size stature my great-grandfather and i were actually the same height my grandfather was probably about three four inches shorter but he was burly you know he's muscular um, he was a farmer. He was a brick mason. He did historic renovation, preservation for the county. He was a game warden. He was a carpenter. He was a house builder. He was a politician. He was a justice of the peace. Uh, he probably um, loaned money or employed just about everyone in that part of the county. And he was uh, a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he carried a blackjack and a pistol. He was as quick with his fists as he was with a joke. He carried cigars and a flask for everybody he met. Um, they were going to laugh and talk about politics and, and joke, and, and or they were going to have it out. I mean, he was just, he was John Wayne. Okay, my grandfather was John Wayne. Um, and he was very respected. He died of ALS when I was uh, about 10. But uh, he was the biggest male influence in my life. And I lived there on the farm for quite a while. And um, there was a, a tradition in the family, and it went back hundreds of years. His best friend uh, was a black man whose father worked for his father, whose father worked for his father, whose father may have been a slave to his father, and, and going all the way back. 
And I mean, they were best friends. They grew up together. My grandfather built a church for him when he became a minister. They were family. Well, his uh, grandson, that man's, I guess, son or grandson, I think his grandson, yes, grandson, was, um, you know, mentally challenged and tongue-tied and um, huge. <laughs> it was huge. And his name was Doug. And he decided to, um, when I, being the, the only male grandchild, uh, came along, he assigned himself to me. <laughs> what do I mean by this? Well, my grandfather would pay Doug. He would hire him to, like, you know, rake the yard or help in the field or help with, you know, jobs around the house. Doug was, you know, slow and, and um, a little sharper than you thought sometimes, but he decided that taking care of me was preferable to doing any kind of manual labor. So he decided that as I was growing up, his job was literally to watch out for me. If I climbed a tree, grab me, pull me out of it, put me on the ground, scold me, run to the house and say, your boy just you know, do this and try to get me in trouble. He was with me every like moment tattling on me and he drove me insane but he uh, also uh, loved him <laughs> as family i mean he was this big bear of a, a man he'd pick me up and you know um tuck me under his arm and haul me over and tell my mother i'd done something wrong you know <laughs> but you know it was great um we went you know he was with me every time i went for a walk in the fields we went fishing together i mean we were so it was like you know something had a huck finn and tom sawyer well, he was to my grandfather like uh, a son, you know, they really had that relationship and um, he, he was a really sweet guy, a little lazy, you know, but he was a really sweet guy and he ate my grandmother's cooking just about every day and um, he, he wouldn't sit down at the table with us. He would take the plate and if it was winter, he'd go to the den or if it was summer, he'd go sit on the porch. Uh, I think... There was more of a division in his mind toward our family than in my family's mind was toward him. You know, to to him, we were like, you know, the Carols, and uh, he worked for us. And to us, he was like, you know, Doug, and he was a member of the family, essentially. And we always tried to show him that. And my, they were, my grandparents were incredibly generous to him and very kind. And he lived um, maybe 20, 30 30 to 40 acres. Yeah, I'm going to go say 30 to 40 acres, you know, quarter mile across the field uh, with his mother and several siblings. And, you know, times were tough. You know, NAFTA, 80s, 90s, well, 90s for NAFTA. And so my grandfather, you know, really kept him employed to support the family. Well, um, for a couple of months, things had started going missing around the farm. Um one time my grandmother caught him in the pantry uh, stealing canned food, canned goods that she had canned and stuff in his pockets full of pecans. And, you know, she told my grandfather, just, you know, tell the boy to come in the house and I'll give him all the food he needs. I mean, you know, it was it was troublesome. But the, the, the rumor was his sister had gotten in with a bad crowd, you know, drugs, a, a guy kind of taking advantage of her. And maybe um, he had kind of put him in a bad place. So, my, you know, my grandparents were trying to figure out how to how to deal with this. Well, one day, some checks went missing. Uh, you know, two, three, five checks out of the checkbook. And that was the last straw. Because, you know, this guy that his sister was seeing was going to take those checks and 
you know, write them for several thousand dollars. And Doug was going to take the fall for it, and it was going to be bad. Well, uh, my grandfather pulls in, and my grandmother tells him what's going on. So what does he do? <laughs> my grandfather, as I said, was a powerful man that was respected and, you know, feared. Uh, I mean, people would come to him and they, they'd say, you know, I got this problem. I need this or whatever. He'd call the governor and, you know, governor of North Carolina, call him up on the phone, tell him who he was, boom, taken care of. He was both politically and physically powerful. He was John Wayne. So he looks at my mother, says, grab the boy and get the car. <laughs> okay, we're, we're in it, right? Puts us in the car, drives over there. My mother is freaking out. She is sure my grandfather's going to kill Doug, and I'm going to be witness to it. She's, she's, she's envisioning, you know, um, you know, murder charges and, and it, the cops and everything. You get up there. He hasn't said a word. My mother's freaking out. She's chattering like a monkey. He has not said a word. You know, you could, you could see the hurt in his eyes, really. He was angry. He was hurt. <laughs> he pulls up to that, you know, little house. He says, wait in the car. You know, we, wait, we wait in the car. We were not getting out of that car. He walks to the front door, knocks on the door, and Doug's mother comes to the door. And he says, I need to talk to Doug. Now, you can see all these little faces peeking out the window. They knew, I mean, they knew what was happening, and they were terrified. And Doug comes out. You know, if you've seen the Green Mile, you could picture Doug. He was, he was huge, okay, but he had the mind of a child. And he's shaking all over, and he stutters. And, 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 and um, my grandfather says to him, says to him, son, I know you've been stealing from me. And he just looks down. He's shuffling. He's just, you know, he's looking at him. He says, you know that ain't right, don't you? He says, yes, sir. I mean, he's shaking all over. So you ever go steal from me again? He's, no, 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 sir. My grandfather says, all right, son. Sticks out his hand, shakes his hand. And presses a hundred dollar bill into it. I mean, suddenly everybody's crying, right? His mother's hugging my grandfather. This giant of a black man is standing there just weeping. The kids are, you know, you can see them. They're starting to get happy. They, you know, realize that uh, nothing bad's going to happen. You know, Doug's mother hugs my grandfather, and he walks back to the car. <laughs> and he looks at. We drive away. And he looks over at my mother. He says, well, what did you think I was going to do? The boy needed food. And he just laughs at her. Now, I know some people are going to listen to this story and they're going to think, oh, you know, South's so bad. And, you know, this is all kind of seeing, you know, see it through some kind of socialist, communist. No, they could have been white or black. There were people that worked for my grandparents. And my grandfather took care of that community like his own family. And that was the day I learned the meaning of Christmas. All right, so let's get into the herbs. The herbs for today are, like I said, we're going to keep this real short. One you're probably not going to use a lot. It's it's called Eclipta prostrata or false daisy. Um, it's also called poison daisy. It's a toxic plant. 
Uh, it's used in traditional Chinese medicine, though. Very little known in the United States. Um, according to Plants for Future, it's called Hanlian Kao in um, Chinese, and is widely used in Chinese herbal medicine. In fact, I was aware of it. It's also used in Ayurveda. It is considered a remedy for the hair and also is a rejuvenative and liver tonic. The whole plant is astringent. The obstruent means it clears obstructions, usually in the bowels, can be the liver sometimes. Treatment of dropsy and liver complaints, anemia, uh, tinnitus, even tinnitus or tinnitus, you know, ringing in the ears, and loss or and premature graying of the hair. Externally, it is used as an oil for hair loss and applied to athlete's foot, eczema, dermatitis, wounds, etc. So the plant has some, you know, good antiseptic qualities. The plant juice mixed with uh, an aromatic essential oil, I don't know which oil that is, is used to treat in the treatment of catarrhal problems as congestion and jaundice. The leaves are used in treatment of scorpion stings and are used as an antidote for jaundice, uh, snake bites, oh, and snake bites in Korea. Wow. The plant is harvested and comes into flowers dried for later use. The roots are emetic and purgative, which means they'll make you throw up and have diarrhea. They are applied externally as an antiseptic to ulcers and wounds, especially in cattle. So yet another of these common weeds, this comes from my book, Herbs and Weeds, Medicinal Herbs and Weeds of the American Southeast. Uh, very useful plant. Another one of those they want to spray Roundup on. And um, I'm also going to tell you about another grass. Eleusine indica. Well, means it comes from India, actually. Uh, Eleusine, also called crowfoot grass, goose grass. I know it as goose grass. Silver crab grass, I've heard it called that. And wire grass, which is the most common name I know it under. Plants for Future says of wiregrass, the whole plant, but especially the root, is sudorific and febrifuge. It is also used in the treatment of liver complaints. So uh, it's good for fevers, it's good for the liver, and it's another one of those just common weedy grasses. Anyway, y'all, have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, I wish you absolute peace and joy um, as a Christian. I, I hope you understand the reason for the season and celebrate it. Uh, just cherish every minute you got with the people you care about. And I'll talk with you next week. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or condition. Nothing I say or write has been evaluated or approved by the FDA. I'm not a doctor. The U.S. government does not recognize the practice of herbal medicine, and there is no governing body regulating herbalists. Therefore, I'm really just a guy who studies herbs. I'm not offering any advice. I won't even claim that anything I write or say is accurate or true. I can tell you what herbs have been traditionally used for. I can tell you my own experience and if I believe in herbs help me. I cannot nor would I tell you to do the same. If you use an herb anyone recommends, you are treating yourself. You take full responsibility for your health. Humans are individuals and no two are identical. What works for me may not work for you. You may have an allergy, a sensitivity, an underlying condition that no one else even shares and you don't even know about. Be careful with your health. By continuing to listen to my podcast or read my blog, you agree to be responsible for yourself, do your own research, make your own choices, and not to blame me for anything ever. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.